Hello, everybody. My name is Derek Arden and welcome to Monday Night Live. Tonight, I have an old friend of mine, well, not so old, a very young friend of mine, Patricia Fripp, all the way from San Francisco. Patricia, as most of you know, was born in Wimborne in Dorset and she left for the USA at the age of 20 with her father crying at Heathrow Airport, waving her off. But Patricia has been known as the uh, one of the one of the top sales people in the USA, and she still is. And at the moment, she coaches and mentors people to do extraordinary presentations. So I'm going to stop there and fire away at questions at Patricia. Patricia, the first thing I want to know is how do you switch from American sales techniques to British or European ones? when we are so much more reserved and if you used your american style on brits they would switch off how long does it take you to switch into uh, uk style uh, i don't believe that i do switch oh okay but often... i'm just me <laughs> now and there are times it's <laughs> being me has got me into trouble but in general i don't switch because Business-wise, my business is all in America. Of course, because I work with tech companies and coach their associates who are all over the world, I, I said, but, but I'm not negotiating with them. I'm giving them advice that they can take or not take. We, we, we Brits always think, and you and I have a joke about this, that... Uh... In America, the sales techniques are pretty full on and wouldn't uh, wouldn't necessarily work over here. And some of your American colleagues have come over and spoken at the Professional Speaking Association and got it horribly wrong. Now, mm. some of your colleagues have done a fantastic job because they've done their research. I was thinking you get off the plane at Heathrow or Frankfurt or somewhere and you're suddenly in a different culture. Is that an issue? You might be in a different culture. However, I I am sure if you are a person doing business with other countries, one of the first techniques, and you would know this very well with your negotiation training, you have to understand who you're talking about. Now, of course, I am helping people with the presentations. And what is the first skill? Who's your audience? what you know about them what is important to them that would be true in any culture sure thank you so um you're coaching a ceo at six 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 o'clock tonight you told me how do you start that process and how does it what what shape does it take as you go through it well six o'clock to you is 10 o'clock in the morning for me <laughs> so, so i am warming up on you but this <laughs> This gentleman, this is the 13th year I've helped him with this important presentation. This is the president of Blue Diamond Almonds. And when he first took the job as president, you know, this is really the Blue Diamond sells the almonds of the, the growers. So it's a co-op. And of course, they have to make sure that they get the best return for the growers. And every year they have this big event. And somehow he found me when he first got the job. 
And so we we know each other very well. We are very comfortable. And I have trained him that after our conversations, send me your script that you come up with before we get in the meeting. So most of my work was done yesterday before I went out with Susan Rowan to the theatre rewriting it so we will go through and make sure all my suggestions are easy for him to say. Now it might interest you what some of the changes I always make. Now I make them for him, however I would make them for all my clients. And when people sit down and take their thoughts and their notes and write them out, which he does, it's rather stream of consciousness. Because if you are speaking to be remembered and repeated, one sentence, one idea. Because you'll have three ideas in one sentence, which one are difficult to say because you're going to run out of breath. And there are two reasons why you would pause and you would make your message into shorter digestible chunks. One, for you, the speaker, and he will have his notes in a teleprompter, not that he will, he'll go, he'll be very familiar with it, but you're going to look over to see where you were. And if you're looking at a paragraph rather than a shorter message, it's difficult to find where you were. You get chance to breathe, to think what comes next. How we're much more important when you are talking about the income and the future for the growers, you have to give them time to digest your message. We speak to be remembered and repeated. You've probably all heard me say that before. And when we do this well, we are speaking to the audience of our audience. Mm. These growers, some of them will have their spouses with them because this is now an in-person meeting. However, the, these type of professionals are going to pass their business down through generation to generation. And so that means probably the grown-up children are working and the parents have to come home and share the message that they heard. And when you speak one idea, a sentence, it's easier for them to digest and have time to think, oh, that's good. Oh, that's very exciting. Mm. Oh, I wondered when that was going to happen. Wow. Um, shall I go on to the next question? Oh, yes. Yeah, well, there was all, there's also one area that I, I restructure his sentences. Okay. So he, it's, it's a matter of being very aware. Now, how I encourage people to speak is not necessarily how our English school teachers taught us to construct sentences. And I look at it and this principle, and I've not heard another speaking coach or speaker talk about this, but the principle comes from the world of comedy. 
There is a setup phrase and a punch word, a punch phrase. Take my wife, please. And if a comedian talks after the punch word or punch phrase, they minimize the laugh. In business communication or negotiation or speaking to train or persuade, it's a matter of what is the setup phrase that puts the rest of the sentence into context. And when, so for example, if you were saying, we had record returns in 2022. I would change it around in 2022. We've enjoyed record returns. Record returns is the impact phrase. What is most important comes at the end. Now, in everyday conversation, when there's no agenda, there's no script, you would have to train yourself to think this way. And if there were a formula, it would be when, where, who, what happened. And if you want me to go further, the, the first time I, I really, this, well, the perfect example of this is, as you know, one of the most popular parts of my programs are always, you introduce the principles, then you get people to stand up and you do razor-focused mini-coaching. And all of you who speak and coach know the thrill. It's fun to deliver your prepared remarks. But when you bring people out the audience to hot seat them, it's as, as Robert McKee, the screenwriter, calls, it's living on the knife edge of now. <laughs> and I'm a great yeah. believer in, in, in crafting your stories and your message, the way to tell them, you always tell them that way. But when it's in the moment, that is exhilarating. You can never make people feel bad. However, you without a mo more than a moment to think, you have to show the audience and them how to improve. And this woman got up and said, my dad walked into a diner, looked at the waitress and thought, that's my wife in 1946. And I said, I bet this is a wonderful story. However, you need to just say, in 1946, now I don't care if you were born in America or England. I don't care if you weren't alive in 1946. You know that was the end of World War II. So in 1946, now, and, and again, as you say this, you pause after in 1946, we immediately see a picture. We immediately, again, even if we weren't born, we've seen movies. 
we've talked to our parents in America or England, our parents, our grandparents, we know stories. So you are immediately, as my friend Joe Venito says, we are tapping in to their emotional bank account. So in 1946, my dad, now, I don't know about you, I see him in a uniform. He's a soldier. I now attribute to this character. Remember, all she would have said is in 1946, my dad walked into a diner. But I now attribute all the stories and all the emotions and the hardships that my Uncle Bill, who was in the RAF in World War Two, he got shot down six weeks into the war for Britain and spent the rest of the war in prisoner war camps. He was in, you know, Stalingrad Three, you know, the Great Escape. So I know all the stories. So, and this is how we audiences really absorb our message. We use words to communicate. However, our audiences see in pictures. And if the pictures inspire emotions, they're hanging on you every word. So in 1946, my dad, now I am now, understanding what this man probably suffered. I know because of my Uncle Bill, he's had experiences that he will never tell his future wife and children. He probably will never tell his friends who were not in the service or his parents. he will probably only and maybe not even talk about it with his comrades when they get together, but they have a connection for a, an experience. Now, you understand, if you think my dad walked into a diner, you probably think about the diner in your neighbourhood. Well, when you know it's 1946, your picture turns to black and white. The picture is different. He walks in looks at the waitress. Now, I don't know about you, but I think if this, if, if this is a soldier, he walks in to a diner, he's alone, I bet he sits at the counter rather than table. He looks at the waitress and she probably says, would you like some pie and coffee, hun? And he thinks, that's my Now, all I suggested she do was put when it was up front. In mm. 1946, my dad walked into a diner, looked at the waitress and thought, that's my wife. Now, I don't know. I assume he married her and that's her mother. However, it could be On his deathbed, he regretted not asking her on a date. You see, you never know when, where, who, what happens.
Mm. Now let's let me just continue this thought just for a few more seconds. You've got everybody hanging on to every word okay. if you look at the uh, gallery view. <laughs> well, I'm looking at the camera, so I'm not. <laughs> this is an example I use. Well, uh, let me uh, let me put it with. Okay, on CNN or the Wall Street Journal, we might see or hear this. Yesterday, at Yale University, Bill Gates delivered a speech on global disease. Now, that's how I would say it. Yesterday, at Yale University, see, I'm so used to doing it this way, I can't do it the old way. So how I would say yesterday, at Yale University, Bill Gates gave a speech about global disease. If you saw it in the Wall Street Journal or on CNN, it would be Bill Gates delivered a speech on global disease at Yale University yesterday. That's how we write. That's how they speak. Whereas I maintain yesterday or the day before, Yale or Harvard doesn't make that much difference. So you see, if you do it the way I suggest, it's yesterday, and we immediately think recent, immediate. This just happened. Yale University, never been there, but I bet they have beautiful grounds and lovely auditoriums. Bill Gates, I know who that is, talked about global disease. That's what's most important. That's the impact phrase, and that goes at the end. And you, if you have sentences that are too long, as with my wonderful client's speech, you really got three impact phrases in one long sentence, which is difficult to say, and even more important, difficult for his growers to absorb. I now zip. <laughs> well, um, I think, uh, first of all, you had everybody hanging on to every word. Secondly, I'm going to need to play this back myself, even though I've heard this uh, many times, just to get that the right way around. Um, how about, so your CEO is doing this on a teleprompter. Doesn't that lose impact and make it a little bit stifled? Well, I would rather he didn't. However, you rehearse it well enough. It, with, with this client, as with many, we, we work in advance. We have a what might go in the presentation this year, some original ideas. So this is a process over several meetings, then the script, then he will internalize it as well as he possibly can. And then on Friday morning, I drive up at the crack of dawn and we rehearse it in person in an auditorium. Fantastic. So I would rather he did it. So I I, I work with, with people to not rely on it because we all know technology does go wrong sometimes you know, not rely on it very much and, so. and when this is convention speaking and this is a big auditorium but when this is convention speaking and my clients as, as we all know when we speak at big conferences the confidence monitor in front and sometimes if you can it's ideal if you can see the slides on one monitor and 
very often they have scripts. Well, one, the audience, especially on iMag at these big meetings, they can see if you look down. So I'm saying you really need to, of course, you might have a script, but you minimize, minimize, minimize. So when it's in the teleprompter, you just have an idea or a transition phrase to keep you on track. Mm -hmm. Now, what I have learned from my own experience, I said, you know, well, uh, you know, I, I don't need, you can have my bullet points. But of course, what I hadn't thought about I might have, I had, you know, a two minute story, which I call that the Daisy story. What I, of course, learned after, and I wondered why, why in the teleprompter moving, because I didn't say the word Daisy. The people who stop and start the teleprompter are looking for words that you say before they move it. And I was talking about walking into a store and this great salesperson, but I never told him the name of the store, which was how my notes are recorded. Daisy, Wells Fargo. <laughs> wow. Lessons learned. Sure. Now, are you using one of those impact phrases with him that uh, you've talked to us all about? Would it shock you to know? Would uh, would it surprise oh, you? Well, know? no. With now with him, it would be you'll be pleased to know because it's all good news. You know, when he took over, I I think the growers were making something like, I'd have to look at the script, but something like one cent a pound. Well, even through all the pandemic and the drought in California, it's now up to 27 cents a pound. Wow. So they, it's every presentation, even during COVID, they have, and the drought, they had to come up with new ways to, because they didn't have all the water. Almonds take a lot of water. Mm. And they came up with innovative ways. However, every speech I've helped him with, they've returned to the growers more return. So it's always been good news. So we don't want to shock these. We want these people to feel comfortable because this is their livelihood. And so it's never a shock. It's always a please. You You'll use be that. excited to know. Yeah, yeah. Now, um, I asked you when we rehearsed last night, um, we talked about words, didn't we? And language and uh, spectacular. And you said you would come up with a few new ones or un-British ones that we might be able to use on our small Well, island. I don't know about that, but but let's let's go to the magic. Better words get better results. And of course, if you've ever heard Tracy or read her great books, it's words to use and words to lose which is one of the all-time best phrases ever. So my version is better words, better results. Okay. So one, you know, my philosophy is specificity builds credibility. And what you were saying about innovative upgrades, that example was when I was coaching one of my brilliant engineers. 
and and please understand my coaching clients are so well educated so brilliant and so much in in their world so much smarter than i am and and one of the points when clients say what do you know about nuclear engineering well not that much however you have plenty of experts who are nuclear engineers you're coming to me because i'm an expert in communications and presentations so i help them they have to come up with the message i don't understand everything that my clients say or what they're talking about you know seven years with a company you get an idea but it's how they say it how they phrase it how they make it about the audience how do you add these phrases because they're talking to their customers you'll be excited to know all right and then shocking statistics lots of my clients are in cybersecurity. you know shocking statistics about how much ransomware is costing companies all right so specificity builds credibility and where this comes from as you know derek I do not like stuff and ending sentences and stuff. Stuff is rubbish and debris. I remember hearing one of, I was at one of my client's conferences and this handsome, charismatic, national, international sales manager was speaking. And I thought this is one of the best corporate speakers I've ever heard. He didn't use notes and they were introducing a new product this is an international company that spent 40 million dollars on it which for them would probably like us investing you know 500 dollars and then he said our customers need our stuff and they're just invested 40 million dollars that's not stuff right. so rubbish rubbish and debris does not belong so it's not stuff now my most frequently asked question and if you would just write this phrase down on a post-it and stick it on your computer if it weren't a thing what would it be and one of these brilliant engineers said there are two things people love about now he's talking about his product and i asked him if they weren't things what would they be he said innovative upgrades i said there are billions of people in the world what people love your innovative upgrades he said systems administrators now you see the difference between there are two things people love about and there are two innovative upgrades i mean innovative upgrades are such a lovely phrase to say that systems administrators love well who's he talking to a good portion of system administrators now now these that was pre-pandemic i was at the conference because I would help them in advance, they're all over the world, and then go on site and coach them on their delivery. There were customers at that conference from 71 countries. English was the second or third language for some, 
For others, they never learned English. They couldn't speak English. They are hearing the message, simultaneous translation. Where you talk about superheroes at these conferences, it is these brilliant individuals who have simultaneous translation. They are brilliant, but they don't know what a thing is <laughs> in Hindi or any other language that they haven't. So it makes a difference when we all communicate well in English. Can you imagine if you don't? This is the importance of specificity. So if it weren't a thing, what would it be? Then, if it's not fruit or vegetables, it's not a bunch. We didn't sit at Lulworth and get a bunch of ideas. No, we had notes. We had maybe two pages of notes and three or four actionable items or areas to discuss. It's not a bunch. And then the same thing is, if you can't weigh it, it's not a ton. Oh, went to NSA, met a ton of interesting people. Did they all get on the scales? Now, I'll tell you, I'll give you a perfect example of this. And this goes back to the idea of seeing the message. I was a speech coach for some of the executives at Amway. You know, direct sales company, uh, I mean, the, and they had... They, because with a lot of these direct sales companies, they have tapped out America. Their business is international, where perhaps direct sales is not as common as it is in America. So they had, I mean, they had so many people coming to this conference. They had to have it twice. <laughs> Can you imagine, Tim? I was in the, now which hotel it was? It was the Mirage not not the Mirage, it was, um, I can see the hotel across the street. It was the Venetian. I was in the Venetian for 10 days and never left. <laughs> never left the hotel. However, a lot of the restaurants, it looks like it's outside. So that was great. Anyway, I was, so I was in the meetings and I was watching, this was a story, a video stories that, of course, as many companies do, they, they have success stories about other people. And this woman said, in this video clip, my husband and I are in the army. And we were looking for a part-time opportunity to add to our income. And they were saying, one, what we loved about the Amway opportunity is we don't have to have any inventory. And then the next scene, because you know, there are these little clips, her next scene, she says, and we have been excited because ever since we signed up, we've got a ton of orders. <laughs> now, think of this. Great opportunity, part-time job. Got it. Thumbs up. We have an emotion, no connection. She and her husband are both in the army. So in America, thank you for your service. Next scene. 
We love it. We have no inventory. Great. Sounds good. Third, we're getting a ton of orders. I immediately see a guy in a brown outfit getting out of a UPS truck bringing tons of boxes into her basement. Can you see the second and third scene are a disconnect? And any time we have one tiny disconnect, we lose the audience. That's the power of words. Right? Wow. So let's go. All right. Now, here are a few, and this comes from, and I find this is all my clients in all the different companies. It's, it's not just a handful of clients, it's rampant. Actually and literally. Actually and literally. Both those words. Now, first of all, I have an English school teacher who does a lot of proofing for me. And, and I said to her, can you give me the rule of when you should use the word actually? Because I'm finding clients are putting it in almost every sentence. It's driving me crazy. And she said, it drives me crazy. There is no reason whatsoever anyone should ever use the word actually. And it's the same with literally. I know you're trying to get the point across. This is true. We do not question that you're telling us the truth. If you now, first of all, you have to listen to other people. One, we always think, I don't do this. Well, we probably all do it until we come really, really away. But listen to the newscasters. Listen to people who've been interviewed on talk shows. Listen to your friends and colleagues. And you and count the amount of times you hear literally and actually and imagine the sentence without them. Because when we take out words that have no benefit, the words that are left are more memorable. Because we are speaking to be remembered and repeated. So literally and actually, basically and simply. Now remember, my clients are working with clients, their technology. And as I explained to them, what you are doing for your audience, who are smart people and engineers and, and do understand technology, but you are, especially when you're talking to the senior leaders who delegate to their energy, their engineers, you know, you are simplifying the complexity of your technology. However, when you do that, don't say, basically, this is what we do, or simply this, because you do not want those words in your description when your clients are probably going to invest a couple of million dollars. Remember, this is big business. Now, it might not 
each license might be $275. But you have a company with hundreds of thousands of people in. It's big business. So we simplify complexity with our description, but it's not simple, it's not basic. Because I said, if your technology was simple or basic, and you go through your presentation and you say this three or four or five times, they will begin to think, why are you charging so much money if it's simple or basic? You don't want those ideas in your customers' heads. Okay? Kind of, sort of. <laughs> I am amazed how many of my CEOs are going through kind of sort of. I said, no, no, no. And I, you don't. Do you do it or not do it? There's no kind of sort of. You do it, you don't do it. There's nothing in between. I don't know if, and I, I see when I'm working with groups, I believe some people don't want to appear to be too dominant in the conversation. However, they are giving up their power and they're becoming so irritating. And this, again, this is not occasional. This is frequent. Very rarely do I have any conversations with any of my engineers and sales teams and executives that kind of or sort of are not in their language. Now let's see. And then, of course, the next one we've discussed, super. super. And that comes from... And the example that I used in the blog post, again, my clients, this is one of my, and this is a wonderful man who has brought me through different companies and divisions. And his, the company before last, their salespeople were 20s, early 30s. And he, he said, uh, this is, we are usually the first or second job for these people. And all the executives were middle-aged. And I was there, of course, to help the, the sales teams with their conversations and presentations, which they, and this was pre-pandemic, they all did virtually because they weren't enormous sales. And for four days, I sat in the general sessions and saw these middle-aged executives, man, men and women, and the only adjective they used in four days was super. We were super excited. I was super. The conference was super. And I thought, and I said in the article, these middle-aged executives, whether they are where or not, to me, an outside observer, are trying to look hip to the young sales professionals. What they should be doing is demonstrating 
If you want to be successful in your career, and whether you're with this company or any other you might go to in the future, if you want to be an executive, this is how you look, act, and speak. We need to raise people up, not go down to their level. And that is not uncommon. I was coaching a banker. And I said, how well educated are you? Well, I knew the answer. Well, PhD, MBA, every possible credential a banker could get. And I said, why are you such a sloppy speaker? And out of his mouth, he said, all my direct reports, we were all in training together. And I said, you're trying to be one of the guys and you're not. Same situation. You have to show them, model how you speak and act if you want to run the division rather than work in the division. Mm. And you, you understand, until I asked him the question, he would never have articulated that. And say that to them. Yeah, anyway, with that, I will shut up. You know, <laughs> Derek, you ask one question and 25 minutes later. Now, Patricia, here's the, here's the negotiation, okay? I've still got five questions on here. We've run out right, of time. I'll give you short answers. No, 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 no. We've run out of time. So the negotiation is... Oh, we've run out of time. Give will me you, one quick short one. Will you come back? No, no, this is a negotiation. Will you come back and join us and answer those questions uh, either before the end of the year or in the new year? When you've got a gap in your, um, in your calendar, please, so I'll take that as a yes... Well, you, well, right? yes, I will. You, you know, he, he shames you. And you've all, every one of you probably have been in this situation. He, <laughs> he shames you in front of all your friends and his fans that you can't say no. But you know, Derek, uh, I wouldn't say no to you because I'm coming to England twice next year and need the taxi service. <laughs> for those of you that don't know patricia is the biggest soft pounds deal that um i've ever concluded and she'd call it a soft uh, dollars deal we didn't actually get to talk about those on last friday but uh, that is where we swap or barter pieces of information and patricia closed me uh in um in New Orleans or in in the US when I said, will you speak? It was Indianapolis. Indianapolis. And uh, she said, yes, but you have to pick me up every time I come to Britain for the rest of my life at Heathrow and drive me to wherever I want to go. And of course, I said, yes. Who wouldn't have the best speech coach in the world in their car for two hours for nothing? Gee whiz. And I know what Patricia charges, which we'll talk about maybe. I want to talk about your negotiation techniques, which are very different from some of mine next time we speak. Anyway, Patricia, can I thank you so much for coming on and preparing those slides for us? Because you didn't have those last night. We really appreciate that. Proper preparation prevents pretty poor performance. And um, the one words that I heard you use quite often, and of course, it's a very visual word, is can you imagine or just imagine? And of course, that sets up pictures, doesn't it, in everybody's mind. And that's really powerful. I would I probably just say, because I, I edited a script for, this was a Toastmaster group I spoke to and I did mini coaching. 
And the, the first two words of, of this one gentleman's speech was just imagine. I cut out the just. Imagine. Fantastic. That's absolutely brilliant uh, tonight. I've been watching the gallery. Everyone's been hanging on to every word. Thank you so much. I'm going to stop the recording now, but Patricia Fripp, thank you so much for joining Monday Night Live, and we look to see you again very shortly. And please give Patricia a round of applause in the usual Monday night round. Brilliant.